This is Healthy Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Ranchford Eye Center, MD Advantage, Yukon Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Healthy Rounds provides general information regarding medical conditions and diseases. The information is not intended to create a doctor-patient relationship. You're encouraged to consult your own medical provider for advice that applies to your own medical care. And now, Dr. Anthony Alessi on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com. Welcome to Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and this is the show that provides you with up-to-date medical information, and we answer all of your health questions. We also provide a little bit of a respite from all the rhetoric uh, going on behind the scenes with uh, all the other deals being made, and, and especially we deal on this program with evidence-based medicine, something we talk about a great deal in terms of really responsible health practices that are proven. And in that line of reasoning, we're going to be chatting with a guest here in the studio, Dr. Michael Scanlon of the CT Foot Group. He has been on the show before. And we're going to be talking about foot pain treatment treatments for foot ailments. But as many of you know, uh, last week I was away. I was at the American Academy of Neurology. Uh, that's the national organization here. And it's really become an international organization to some degree. Um, there are 15,000 neurologists there. And I was giving several talks. But one of the sessions I had the most fun with was I was with a group of medical students who are going into the field of neurology. I had 10 medical students at my table and to answer questions for them about the profession. But I decided to talk to them. Let's tap into what the next generation of physician is thinking about. And I brought up the issue of universal health care in the United States. And just, what do you think about it? And they looked at me like I had two heads and said, gee, Dr. Alessi, that's, you know, that's literally a no-brainer. I mean, we're going to be there. And Every one of them around the table endorsed that, to have a single-payer system so that you're not constantly struggling as practicing physicians are today to try and get things approved and get proper medical care for your patients. So I think it's a foregone conclusion that we're going to have a universal health care system. I believe that those of us who are older, our job is to guide them in order to get there in the most efficient way. Because it's going to happen. So there's no use arguing again. And, and I don't know if it's going to be uh, Medicare for all, uh, not something I necessarily support, but a system where everyone gets health care in America and it's run efficiently so there are not a lot of losses. So um, in the end, that was, that was really a lot of fun to chat with them. The other discussion was a lot about memory loss. A lot of discussions about memory loss and the FDA has now warned against all these, all these false claims about supplements, especially uh, ginkgo biloba, right? For a while, everybody's saying ginkgo biloba, you got to take it and uh, you don't become demented. It's not true. And people, there are ads in the paper. Everybody's trying to get you to spend cash on these supplements. The best supplements for keeping your memory in later years are a good diet and regular exercise. Two things. Diet and exercise, hard to do, okay, to get towards that Mediterranean type of diet and to get some regular exercise, but it's cheap, okay? Nobody's charging you to do that. 
The other thing is this. I heard a talk, and it came out of Boston, the Ann Romney Center. Now, Ann Romney is Mitt Romney's wife who has multiple sclerosis, and they put a lot of capital into developing the Ann Romney Center for Neurologic Illnesses, and it's associated with Mass General and Harvard. And they're about to start trials in humans of a nasal spray vaccine against Alzheimer's disease. Just think about that. So a vaccine. So in families where we're seeing Alzheimer's disease, the possible use of a nasal spray that will train the body to fight off beta amyloid. Beta amyloid is the protein that's deposited on nerve cells in the brain that we see in people with Alzheimer's disease. So their theory is that if you could train the body to attack the beta amyloid, <coughs> that will subsequently hold off and stop Alzheimer's disease. So speaking of vaccines, uh, we've got a lot of controversy here in the state of Connecticut. Uh, I often wonder if the anti-vaxxers, okay, they're, they're out there. Uh, if if they were faced with Alzheimer's disease, if they would take the nasal spray, because I know they don't want to put any any poisons in their body. Uh, but our state officials this week have really failed us. They failed to do their job. The job of our state government is to keep us safe. That's the way I see it, right? I mean, that's what we pay them for, a police department that works, a, a fire department that works, a way to keep us all safe and our families safe. And that's their only job, really. Uh, but now they've decided to listen to a rather vocal and, and poorly informed minority of people who are against vaccinating children. So they decided to kick the can down the road, despite all the studies, despite all the public health outrage. They have decided to kick the can down the road, and they're not going to rule on the proposed legislation of removing a religious exemption for vaccines until they get more information. Holy mackerel. Guys, what more information do you need? We have spent so much money and so much time trying to support vaccines that we could have cured autism by now. That's how ridiculous this is. So now we're going to wait till January 1st uh, for them to do this. Uh, I uh, actually have told you that one of the questions to ask a school when you're sending your preschoolers to is how many children in that school are not vaccinated. They can tell you that. We just went through this this week. My daughter, who's expecting, had to pick a preschool. Went to two of them. One said very clearly one child is not vaccinated due to a medical reason, an allergy. The other school said we have 100% vaccination rates. Okay, once they fall below that critical level, you got to get them off your list. And then schools will start listening to some reason. So in JAMA Neurology this week, it's another topic. This was a big thing, got a lot of press, was the frequency of intracranial hemorrhage with low-dose aspirin. So what they're saying is that if you keep taking low-dose aspirin and you're not at risk for a heart attack or stroke, you're more, more susceptible to bleeding in the brain, under the skull, the so-called subdural or epidural hemorrhage. So I looked at the study. It was a retrospective study done with looking back at 13 different studies. So they didn't, it wasn't prospective. It didn't go forward. They went and looked at the literature. They looked at 100, uh, 134,000 patients. 
And when you look at it, it's a very small difference between the risk with the risk of hemorrhage below the skull. And it's especially prominent. So here's what they don't tell you on the news when they give you the news broadcast, the 10-second the blurb, is that that difference, that increase in frequency of hemorrhage was most prominent in Asian patients and those of low body mass index. So really thin people and Asian people were more susceptible. And believe me, it was minute in terms of the percentage of being more susceptible. So the New England Journal of Medicine this week had a controversy among the experts. What they did was they threw this out there. They gave a case, brought in two cardiologists to discuss what should you do. What should you tell a patient to do in terms of taking a baby aspirin every day? And although they came at it from different ends, they both agreed that the risk of a non-life-threatening hemorrhage as opposed to a heart attack or stroke, was relatively little. It's a patient choice. It's a decision you make with your doctor. Not all rules apply to all patients. That's what we talk about here, personalized medicine. But in this case, they both said that the the risk of so, such a devastating heart attack or stroke far outweighs the risk of hemorrhage. So talk to your doctor. It is not some commandment that has now come down from JAMA to say it's not good to take that. And by the way, the study was done in uh, Asia as well. So maybe that's why they got there. Uh, this day in medicine, May 18, 1795 was when Dr. Alfred Marie Velpo was born. Dr. Velpo was a French surgeon, an anatomist, and um, for him, they named the bandage that's used for a fractured clavicle after him. And it's interesting because we're seeing uh, clavicular fractures a lot more now, especially in athletes. And previously, they would just put a bandage on it and wait for it to close. But, you know, it's 5% now of all adult fractures if people fall on their arm, fall on their shoulder. So with that is really a pro and con in terms of surgery. So you really have to consult an orthopedic surgeon because if it's displaced, you really want to get this fixed in which place they put in some uh, screws and a plate. If it's not displaced and it's it's right in nice position, you could leave it alone. But again, uh, that bandage is still used today um, that is named for him. With that, we're going to take a short break. I'm going to give you the phone numbers now, 860-522-9842 and 1-800-966-9842. If you want to just shoot me an email at info at alessimd.com, we'll answer your questions that way as well. Next up, we're going to be chatting with my guest, Dr. Michael Scanlon from the CT Foot Group. We're talking about foot pain today. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and once again, it's our pleasure to welcome Dr. Michael Scanlon. Dr. Scanlon is a podiatrist specializing in foot and ankle surgery at the CT Foot Group in Willimantic and in Putnam. Hey, Michael, welcome back. Oh, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, just to bring everybody up to speed, can you tell everybody what a podiatrist is? Podiatry. We, we uh, foot and ankle, medical management, and along with surgical correction. So we're a little bit of everything from dermatology to orthopedics. 
Okay. And you go to podiatry school. So correct. Can, it, it's it's a it's standard, uh, you know, four four year undergraduate degree, and then it's four years of of medical school, podiatry school. Most now are are married to a a medical school, so you have podiatry students with medical students, uh, and then you enter your residency, which is now a two or three year residency. Speaking of marriage, you're married to Dr. Carla Scanlon, who I is your partner uh, both in marriage and in practice. Yes, yes. Um, so you have a sports background. I mean, you, you've you always I, treated athletes even before you became a podiatrist. I, I do. I, I was an athletic trainer before I did this. Um, I was doing that for several years, major institutions, uh, uh, at some at the pro level as well. Um, and then gradually got into the foot and ankle. Uh, most in sports medicine, I was seeing a lot, you know, 80% was foot and ankle related for me. So it was just a natural progression for me to go to podiatry school. So what's your day like? Just giving people an idea of what a, a typical day is like for you in, in podiatry. Yeah, there's no two days that are the same. Uh, they they vary. Um, I mean, we can go from standard diabetic foot care to the the next one is uh, a trauma fracture of some sort uh, to you know typical stuff heel pain is a big one hammer toes bunions things of that nature um, but it, it's it, that's why I love the work because there's no two days that are the same um, and in terms of surgeries where do you usually do the surgeries in your office surgery center hospital where does that usually happen yeah, some minor stuff uh, we can do right in the office obviously ingrown toenails or are, are get done in the office there's a few little simple toe procedures we do in the office but 90 95 percent of what we're doing is outpatient either in a surgical center or in a hospital setting so what's the most common thing you, you think you see in the office Oh, well, right now it's heel pain is, is the big one. We got some nice weather coming and, and people are getting a little bit more active and they're starting to get overuse. <clears throat> Along with heel pain, we're, you know, I'm, I'm on a string of fractures right now that, again, it's, it's weather related. People have been a little bit more active. And, uh, hey, it's, it's uh, springtime and people are going to get out using that chainsaw. And um, it's not going to surprise me if I see one later today or this weekend. Well, what do you mean chainsaw? Chainsaw. The, you know, it's always the same. It's uh, it's a guy using a chainsaw, and it's always, Doc, the tree was a small tree, and they're not paying attention, and that saw bucks, or they go right through the tree and, and you know, right through the, the shoe, through the steel toe, through the leather, and and here we are. Wow. Yes. Okay. We don't want to think about that too much. No, no, but that's, that's uh, it's this time every year. Um, let's talk about the heel pain. Yes. Now- so are different parts of the foot more susceptible to pain? Uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, we, we see the, the heel pain is very common. That's the rear foot. Um, so b- big issue this time of the year. The forefoot is the other common issue that we see, a lot of issues. Uh, midfoot, you see it, but not as much as the, the rear foot or, or forefoot areas. So let's let's go back to explain that the midfoot, forefoot, hindfoot. Can you tell people what that is? Correct. The the rear foot is made up of the the bone that forms the ankle along with the heel bone. The forefoot's made up of all the toes and their corresponding metatarsals. Then you're going to have the midfoot, which is made up of small little intricate bones. It's the major junction here, so there's a lot of stress that gets placed as you're transferring weight and as you're walking and towing off. So there is stress that gets applied to the to the midfoot area. 
Is that the arch? That is the arch. That's what we're talking about. Yeah, between just in front of the heel to the the arch area would be that midfoot area. Uh, getting back to the heel. So you said people are becoming more active. I mean, I always think it's hard to break your heel. I mean, I saw well, a guy well, a guy jumped out of a plane. I mean, you would see this in parachutists. We, we, yeah, we do see some heel fractures. We're, that's that's going to take some trauma. But the heel pain that we're seeing is inflammation of this plantar fascia, the ligament on the bottom of the foot. Uh, as you you as you, every time you step, you build strain into that ligament, and you can overuse it. There are some micro tears that happen as well in that in the fascia, as long as some scar tissue that gets developed, and it's just a repetitive pattern over and over. And it's a that snowball on the top of the hill. It's a pea size, and as it gets going, it just gets worse and worse and worse. Um, in talking, let's get back to the heel. So for a heel, somebody breaks their heel. Yes. Okay. Um, somebody possibly with osteoporosis or mm-hmm. something. It, what do you do for somebody like that? Is it an immobilization? Is it a surgery? Or yeah, there there are common spots on the heel where it's where you can break it, and some are as simple as you just immobilize it and you're fine. You know, standard four to six weeks. Uh, but the body of the heel bone it does have great blood supply to it, and they heal well. But more commonly, you are going to have to go in and and apply some type of fixation, either a screw, plate, or a pin. Uh, and would you then modify the type of footwear people use? Uh, you're you're going to at some point in time. After this person is healed up, um, you are going to get into an insert, and it depends on where the fracture is. Are you going to put a heel lift in? Are you going to wedge it to an in or out type wedge? But absolutely, that anyone who with a heel fracture is. Uh, not destined, but your all your concern is long term. You know, five, ten years uh, out from that fracture, they are going to end up developing some type of arthritis in that ankle or the joint just below the ankle. Almost uh, a guaranteed. All right, uh, we're chatting with Dr. Michael Scanlon today about foot pain, and we want to get into uh, footwear. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about people who always come in with fallen arches. Okay, what does that mean? And we're going to talk about some of the neurologic problems that affect the foot. Uh, people have heard a lot about tarsal tunnels, similar to carpal tunnel syndrome. And as he mentioned, something about orthotics. The phone numbers here are 860-522-9842 and 1-800-966-9842. You can also email me at info at alessimd.com. And on Twitter, if you want to go to at dralessi and uh, give a shout out, We're happy to hear from you. We're going to take a short break, and then we're going to be back. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi. And um, before we get back uh, to my guest, uh, Dr. Michael Scanlon, uh, we're going to take a call. Uh, we have uh, Mark from Bristol. Mark, you're on the line. Uh, good uh, morning, sir. How are you doing today? Doing great. Uh, quick question for uh, Dr. Scanlon. Um, it was almost like a sign today because my mission today was to go out and find some shoes that would be that would enable me to be able to walk because my feet are in such a state of disarray regarding pain and so forth. And I can explain very quickly sure. when, it start, when it started and what I've been through. Uh, it started in 2011. It was almost a digital event. Um, we had that huge snowstorm in Connecticut, ice storm. I spent most of the day clearing brush and so forth. 
uh, I was standing on a, just a standard stepladder with my arch. Um, the next day, my feet were hurting, and for the past nine years, it's been the same. Uh, I've been to three podiatrists, and each one uh, just kept putting inserts in my shoes and so forth uh, with absolutely no relief. Um, I was then told that I need to get an MRI, which I did. Nothing showed up, and so I'm kind of kind of stuck with <clears throat> this constant pain. It feels like there are marbles uh, in the bottom. I, I was listening to the description before. I guess you would call it the midfoot uh, across the front and in the uh, middle. And um, when I put any kind of weight or anything on it, it's just agonizing. I could get maybe... Uh, an hour or two of, of actual moving around and doing things before it, I can hardly okay. walk. Mark, a couple of questions. Uh, sure. About how old are you? I am six, I turned 67 last July, so I'm almost 68. Do you have any other medical problems like diabetes or other problems? Fortunately, I am uh, in what my doctor says, perfect health. My okay. blood pressure is <laughs> 120 over 70. I go to the gym every day, uh, eat right, all the, all the right things. So you're the guy. Okay, the, the one, the one guy. Go ahead. Uh, hey, Mark, Michael, all it, yours. It, it sounds to me like you have a, what's called an aroma in there. Neuroma is okay. a, a pinched nerve, common to follow uh, trauma, what you were describing, in particular on a ladder or, or, or you know, on your tippy toes here. Neuromas, people will come in and say, hey, I feel like I got my socks bunched up. I'm walking on uh, marbles. Uh, every now and then, the, you know, get a little shooting pain maybe into the toes. But specifically, you're going out to look for shoes today. So what you're looking for is a shoe that has a little bit wider forefoot area. Specifically, uh, I'll give you some names. Saucony is a brand name. Uh, excellent shoe. Wide, wide forefoot, narrow heel. The other, the other couple I'll throw out for you, uh, Asics, another excellent shoe, specifically for that Neuroma that you're, you're looking at here. Uh, and then Brooks is out there. Brooks is a, uh, not a stylish shoe, but constructed very well for you. Yeah, we don't care about style. I mean, we're, we're talking, I mean, these are, we're talking about a walking shoe, right? Right, right. And, and, and to get, go backwards here a little bit you know a lot of the stuff i'm now seeing over the past several years is a direct result of shoes because everyone's into the stylish uh, issues and it's just getting them into trouble not quickly but over months and years uh, you're starting to see a lot of these overuse injuries but but to me this is an aroma that you have it's also common they don't show up well on an mri just just to let you know hey mark thanks for the call and thanks for listening can I ask sure. you a question, please? Yeah. This is very relevant. Yeah. Um, I, I did go to those podiatrists for a while. I spent a lot of time doing what they asked me to do. <clears throat> I have done the shoe search, but what I found was even with the best of shoes, it's similar to walking on, on a, uh, a hardwood floor with bare feet. No matter how you look at it, I'm still pressing my foot down on a flat surface with wide shoe or narrow. It doesn't matter. But let me just mention this. What I discovered myself, I don't just don't know where to go. Maybe you can recommend it. I've been into sports my whole life, racquetball, a lot of foot-slamming uh, sports. And if I just now, my feet are fine now, but if I lightly rub the, the top where my uh, hip joint is, my foot will be in intense pain, and all of those uh, marble areas that I described will act up as if I've been walking for four hours. And So I can feel if I rub the side of my leg, my foot hurts. So I don't think that's an aroma. I think that's more of a nerve issue. Well, absolutely. In which case, instead of seeing a podiatrist, you need to see a neurologist. Correct. Okay. 
Okay. okay. Just looking for some direction. No, I would see a neurologist to get that clip because if it's an aroma or not, if it's a nerve pain, and what you're describing is nerve symptoms, that walking on marble sensation. So uh, since you've explored the podiatry end, and if you're going to go buy shoes, I would take Dr. Scanlon's recommendation, but you should see a neurologist who specializes in peripheral nerve symptoms. I don't know. Where, you live in Bristol um, okay. the, um, at, at the University of Connecticut. Uh, we have an excellent center that just looks at this. Okay. All right. Thank you so much All right. for your help. Take care. Okay. Bye. All right. Let's get to the next caller. Uh, Al in Farmington. Al, you're on. Yeah, I just wanted to uh, give some information. Um, Please. Uh, and thanks for uh, your show. Um, yeah, I suffered uh, for, oh, two, three years with Achilles tendonitis, both, both heels, and um, it got bad. I, could, I couldn't walk a quarter of a mile without uh, uh, having pain. Um, I discovered on a trip uh, to Europe a shoe called MBT, which has a little curve on the bottom, and they assured me that it would cure my problem. And I bought a pair, and it sort of helped. And then I realized I'm in sneakers most of my life. So they come in uh, in sneakers and athletic shoes, and now that's all I wear. And my Achilles tendonitis has not been a problem for at least two years. So I wanted your doctor's thoughts about that, and I thought I'd share that with some well, Al, yeah, so Al, listen, yeah. you've hit on a personal note because I bought those shoes. I was in uh, Florida at spring training doing a lot of walking, so I bought those MBT. The MBTs are Maasai Barefoot Technology, and they yeah. modeled them after the Maasai tribe in Africa. So they filled that area with sand. Um, so I found them to be extremely comfortable from the standpoint, not just the rocker bottom, but they have a wide... Uh, forefoot. Correct. So what what are your thoughts, Michael? Uh, from a mechanical standpoint, it's, it's what you're after. Um, but it does have that rocker bottom, so it does distribute the, the force vectors a little bit differently, which does reduce the strain on that Achilles tendon for you. Yeah. But it, it yeah, also, it, yeah, it, it also it, offloads the forefoot very well as, yeah. Uh, you know. Yeah, so for yeah, some people, really they're, helpful, they're good. I thought I'd share that with you. Well, good. good. I'm glad. I found them helpful as well. Great. Thanks for calling. Um, we got another call. We can get another call in here. We have uh, Meryl from New Hartford. Meryl, welcome. Yeah, hi, thank you. Uh, the man that was on previously uh, a few minutes ago talking about his feet yeah. and the marbling, coloring, yeah, yeah. Yeah. and the pain. Yeah. And, I mean, it came out of nowhere. And I'm just curious because I've had similar problems, and it happened with a dislocation of a knee in 88, and then 2015, I had my left knee replaced, and I ended up with what back in 88 was called reflex sympathetic dystrophy syndrome, sure. RSDS, and mm -hmm. now they call it complex regional pain syndrome. Mm -hmm. And just listening to him describe it, I was just curious if that could possibly be what he has now. Typically not. Um, the CRPS is a neurologic syndrome. Actually, it was first called causalgia and described right, in 1865. Right, right. So um, usually you'll see CRPS after surgery. So after a knee replacement, um, you could see that as a complication. Uh, whereas in the case of focal trauma to the foot, especially both feet, um, that would be relatively rare. We see it more in penetrating injuries, so gunshot, knife wound, surgery. 
um, would promote that. But um, with that, uh, how is it working for you? Are you in pretty good shape with it? or? Uh, I was one of the lucky ones. My right knee, after ending up with it frozen with a 38-degree bend, I was determined that I was going to get it back, and it did go into remission, thankfully, because the pain yeah. is absolutely horrendous. And then I had my knee replaced, and I'm telling myself, no, there's no way you're going to get that again. And, of course, a year later, after having my knee replaced, I ended up again with reflex sympathetic dystrophy syndrome. And I'm still in the process of trying to get it to, you know, go away. I'm going through a behavioral health program right right now trying to help myself out. But it's extremely painful. I know of a child who is 16 here in town, one of my granddaughter's friends, few years ago just fell in her front yard like on a a small slope and she ended up with it in her foot and she told me that it feels like she's walking on glass when it comes back but they caught it right away Mm -hmm. because now they know more about it than they did back in 88 when i ended up with it yep well listen thank you for calling we appreciate that information uh great information there from merrill about crps um again Sometimes it becomes a wastebasket diagnosis, and people use the term a little bit too liberally. And in a study done uh, actually in Hartford, um, actually in New Haven with the pain specialist there, they looked at 100 cases uh, that were referred for CRPS, and 94 of those cases did not have CRPS. It had some other nerve problem that was more fixable than CRPS. Because if you go online and you look at reflex sympathetic dystrophy, it's horrific. But many of those cases get better and uh, can be treated. With that, we have to take a short break and get back. We have questions lined up here from Bob and Nicholas, and we'll get to those. You're listening to Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080. We're back on Healthy Rounds. I'm your host, Dr. Anthony Alessi, and our guest today is Dr. Michael Scanlon from the CT Foot Group. Um, You could uh, go online at ctfootgroup.com or contact him at 860-456-4250. And with that, we have a couple more questions, so we're going to just jump in here, Michael, and grab some questions. This is Nicholas from Manchester. Nicholas, you have a question. Yes, sir. Um, I'm a 70-year-old male. And quite often when I'm walking in the yard, I have this sensation as if I'm in waist-high pool of water with the resistance factor of water. Sort okay. of like trying to, you can imagine, you've, we've all, all done this in a pool. Yeah. You feel that resistance. It's so far different than being on ground in open air walking along with no resistance. Factor. Do you have back pain with it, Nicholas? I have a very low, I guess, low lumbar across my back, not vertically, but horizontally from hip to hip. Yep. Okay. All right. I'm gonna I'm gonna and hang I'm up and cholesterol meds. Yeah. My cholesterol meds too. Okay. So I do feel a, a rather certain kind of numbing, peculiar kind of numbing ache in my yeah. thighs. Yep. So I'm gonna I'm gonna hang up and we're gonna answer your question. How's that sound? So we can get to Thanks. everybody. All right. So, Michael, it's it's kind of interesting because we're thinking low back, uh, cholesterol medication, um, which has gotten a bad rap, but some people have a reaction to it. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, to me, I start thinking he's got a nerve issue somewhere. He's got some low back pain. 
you know, for me, I, I think uh, a nerve study, let's either, you know, rule it in, rule it out, um, easily done, could be the cholesterol med, but I'm leaning more towards he's got a pinched nerve somewhere in that low back. In which case, you may need a neurologist. Correct. And you could call 860-889-3227, and uh, you could ask for Dawn in my office, and she'll either get you to me or get you to uh, someone in your area. So that's a number I never give. I never give my number. Probably should. There's first. Okay, that's it. There's a first. Uh, Bob from Columbia. Bob, you have a question. Yes, uh, my question is, uh, I injured my knee a year ago in early May. I had surgery on it the day of the surgery, the evening of the surgery. The knee collapsed again. The, the foot has never been checked, but I always I feel like I'm walking on marshmallow. On my left, on my left foot, the foot has never been checked. The knee is still acting up. I'm having a problem, like I'm flopping, and I notice when I sit down in the shower that my left knee is higher than my right knee. So I don't know if I've injured something. I never heard. Now, in my in my early days when I was a kid in school, I was a track star. So I doubt that I have non-symmetrical legs. I think my legs were symmetrical back when I was 20 years old. Bob, a couple of questions. When you get that marshmallow feeling or the numb feeling in your foot, is it on the top of your foot or the bottom of your foot? The bottom. The bottom. And it's it's continuous. It's every minute of every day. And when does your foot flop? When you're walking all the time or just when you go a certain distance? All the time when I'm walking, but more so when I'm tired. What do you so think? This, this is nerve-related as well. Um, when did you have the knee surgery, Bob? I believe the first surgery was on the 1st of May, and the second surgery, the re-surgery, was on the 17th of May. Okay. All right. Yeah, it's it's a nerve injury. That's, that, or, that's, or, not, this, that's not this May. That's last May. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, yeah, I mean, it could be the nerve is entrapped, has a little scar tissue, a little swelling in it. It could also be pinched at the ankle as well, which is now we're getting into some tarsal tunnel issue. Um, but you, you call me, call me. Yeah, or the okay. other possibility is um, up at your knee where the perineal nerve, or now they've see they've changed the name on me. Okay? Uh, we exactly. perine- now it's peroneal yeah. or yeah. fibular nerve. Yeah. But anyhow, yeah. there's a nerve that wraps around your knee. Um, and goes down to your foot. And often that nerve can become irritated um, after surgery or in someone who's been a runner their whole lives with arthritis. So um, uh, get in touch with Dr. Scanlon, and um, we could work on something. Hey, great talking to you. you. Thanks, Bob. My my pleasure, Michael. Thank you. Not a problem, Bob. Um, Great callers today. But you mentioned tarsal tunnel syndrome, something you and I are both seeing more of. Can you talk a little bit about that? Tarsal tunnel, uh, very similar to carpal tunnel. It's a nerve on the inside part of the ankle that starts to get pinched and or irritated. Classic people come in, I have pain in my foot, very vague, um, point to it. Ah, It's a little bit of everywhere. When you ask them to describe the the pain, it's, well, depends on when you're asking me, you know. Uh, Other classic giveaways, it bothers me at nighttime. Uh, If I've been on it for a while and I sit down, it actually gets worse, kind of like I have restless leg syndrome here. There are a few little branches off this nerve as well, so it can uh, present a little bit differently from person to person. Uh, But the standard treatment... 
there are inserts that are out there to help hold the arch up, take some of the pressure off of that nerve, anti-inflammatory medicines, physical therapy. Uh, we also get into injections. If I know where the nerve is pinched, we can put a little steroid to try to calm it down. If nothing is working, eventually you end up in surgery to decompress that nerve. Uh, the injections really help? Does it help? What helps more, the injections or the surgery? Do you, do you find what percentage of people need surgery or get the it, surgery? It, it, you know, when I, I get the nerve studies back, if, if we're pretty at the, you know, mild level, moderate level, I will do the injection with very good success rate. But once you start getting into the moderate and severe uh, category, we go right to the surgery. Surgery for here is almost instant uh, relief. That's amazing. Yes. And that's yeah, always great. Yeah. What's the big thing we're going to hear about in podiatry? The next thing you're going to hear about is what's the DNA sequencing. Uh, we are doing it now. It's it's really uh, – it started out slow, but it's now you know daily for us here. And we're using it a lot on open wounds, uh, the, the chronic wounds that are failing to heal for various reasons. And it's a swab, a little culture of it, and they're looking at the DNA of the bugs that are on there once they have the DNA – they can create a topical to go get it. The other application we're seeing it for are the fungal nail issues as well. Wow, that's great. Well, we're going to keep track of that. Michael, thanks again for coming. Thank you for and, having um, me. Uh, thanks for everything you do. Uh, for people who want to reach out to Dr. Scanlon, 860-456-4250. With that, I'm going to say uh, sign off. Next week, we're going to have a taped program, but it's going to be a new program. We're going to be using some of the interviews I did at the American Academy of Neurology on Lou Gehrig's disease and on sports-related neurologic injuries. Uh, as always, many thanks to our studio producer. Mike Oko has been on the board. Jeff, and Jeff Chandler is in charge of sales and marketing for Healthy Rounds. Until next week, please stay healthy. You're listening to Healthy Rounds at Next this has Up been Garden Talk. Rounds with Dr. Anthony Alessi, sponsored by St. Francis Hospital and Medical Center, Ranchford Eye Center, MD Advantage, Yukon Health Orthopedics and Sports Medicine, and the Connecticut State Medical Society. Be sure to tune in next Saturday morning at 11 for more Healthy Rounds on WTIC News Talk 1080 and WTIC.com.